Welcome to the OA Lighted Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Rashad. Hi. Hi, everybody. Lucy, can I be heard? Thumbs up. Lucy, can you hear me? I can absolutely hear you. You All sound right. fantastic. Thank you. I, uh, I'm getting some weird little zoom warnings about my internet connection being uh unstable so somebody text me or send a message to the chat katie if uh if for some reason my signal goes out and i'll switch gears uh thanks uh e for stepping up to cover uh chips and candles uh thanks uh kim for giving it a try um that was a little uh a little crazy um so i always when, I, when things don't go as planned what i like to do personally and on a group level is uh pause for a prayer so if you guys would pause pause with me and uh let's do the serenity prayer together don't unmute yourself please but uh <laughs> let's uh let's do the serenity prayer real quick uh god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference Thy will not mine be done all right well thank you for having me it's good to see everybody this is actually my uh my home group uh but um, my uh, ex-girlfriend uh, and I are both in OA, and we split the meeting. We split the baby like, uh, like uh, divorced parents. And so uh, we rotate on and off, uh, and uh, so it's good to be back. Uh, thank you for asking me to speak, Leslie. Um, super, super grateful. If I ever uh, get caught up about whether my recovery is good or not, I can think about the fact that Leslie E. asked me to speak at Light a Candle. She is uh, not a person, uh, uh, I don't want to comment on Leslie too much. I'll just say that uh, she takes recovery very serious, and I think she takes speaker getting very serious for this meeting. So thank you for asking me to speak. I have shared a number of times on this podcast feed. My, num my name is uh, listed as RB. Um, I'm going to try, oh yeah, I want to set my timer here. Somebody, they say in this meeting, it's good to get to recovery by 6 o'clock. So I'm gonna set my own personal timer here so I don't get too caught up in uh, how it was. If you care about all the how it was and all that stuff, just go back to the old, the old podcast. I've spent a lot of time at Light a Candle talking about how, you know, what it was like. Uh, so I'm gonna try not to do that. But for those that don't know me, uh, those are visiting from uh, out of town or all over the world. Uh, my story is that uh, I'm definitely a compulsive reader, sugar addict variety. Let's see, I wanna unpin myself here. Wait one second. I hate when I get stuck staring at myself during the Zoom meeting. It's a little weird. Um, so yeah, compulsive overeater, sugar addict variety, 100 pounder variety, childhood obesity variety, binger, grazer. That's the type of compulsive overeater um, that I am. I've been struggling with this for a while. Uh, OA is the only solution that seemed to have worked for me over time. Uh, the story is, is that I came out of the womb like this. I came out like this. My mom tells a, a story about me being pretty aggressive during the breastfeeding years of my life. So I, I, uh, I, I uh, think that I was born to this. I, what I do know for a fact is that um, 
everybody in my in my immediate family, at least on my mother's side of the family, struggles with uh, with weight and body. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't have to be your story. I also grew up in a lot of chaos and alcoholism and crack addiction and all of you know cocaine eighties and all that stuff. Um, so that doesn't necessarily have to be your story. Uh, what you guys have taught me is what makes me a compulsive overeater is that when I put certain substances into my body, I have an abnormal reaction. So that's what, what makes me a compulsive overeater. Not that all the other people in my family have issues with food and body and bulimia and uh, drugs or alcohol. Um, what matters is what happens to my body when I put certain substances in, inside of it. So I'm going to try to share my screen. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's enabled or not, but I'm going to try to share some pictures. Can you see it? All right. So uh, hopefully these are all appropriate. Um, this is me, uh, 2014. Uh, pretty, I got into OA around uh, 2015. My abstinence date is uh, August 10th, uh, 2015. Um, and my abstinence is abstaining from compulsive overeating, compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. More specifically, I don't binge, I don't graze, I don't eat recreational sugar, I don't kill myself with food. So this is uh, shortly before I entered program. Um, there's a smile there, but I'm definitely not happy. Uh, this is not a picture that gets shared on the in, on the interwebs. <laughs> uh, this is not one that uh, that got shared very on Facebook or or uh, any social media platforms. Um, but it definitely shows me in the disease. This is me. Uh, most of my uh, well, I'll talk about what got me in the program. But this is what life looked for looked like for me: getting high and eating. I think there's some eating pictures in here. This is when I had a, uh, a death scare, a, a serious health scare, um, which is what partially what propelled me into the rooms. Um, but this is me linked up to all of the machines to have a sleep study. This is me um, right before I, uh, uh, I got abstinent. So I think I was in the program, but I hadn't uh, got abstinent. And I think, um, I think this is probably my peak the peak, the height of my weight, my top weight, somewhere between uh, 320, 330 pounds. Uh, this is another picture of me kind of close to my top weight um, in mid uh, 2015 at this big family event and like super uncomfortable, but like trying to smile, uh, not well kept. And this is me in February, 2020. <laughs> All right. And uh, this is me. Uh, in uh, uh, maybe Ju July, no, this is uh, probably last month. Um, trying to avoid the, uh, the COVID-19, 19 pounds that is. Um, for those that are on the podcast that really couldn't see any of those pictures, um, the basic gist of it is I was a very large, uh, morbidly obese man. I, uh, I'm a black, I'm a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a person of color, 100 pounder variety. And now uh, with no ego, I can say that I'm a, I'm a good looking black man. <laughs> good looking black man in recovery. <laughs> with, with all humility. Um, so um, what it was like. Um, sugar. I love sugar. Um, a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. And um, I didn't know it at the time. You guys have taught me the language around that. But 
you know, I, I basically figured out that food was a great, uh, was a great escape for me. Um, I like sugar. I like things that, um, that, that my bot that react like sugar in my body. I forgot to mention it, but I don't eat flour anymore. That was something that came later. Um, so I'm doing that. I'm kind of in that phase where I'm letting it go and I'm doing that very imperfectly, but, um, you know, flowers is not a good choice for me these days. Um, and, you know, I just remember being at a, a young age and, and I remember my weight being an issue. And that's when my mother started putting me on diets and stuff like that. And so I did weird diets, but I lost a bunch of weight my senior year of high school uh, on the uh, grapefruit and bacon diet. <laughs> uh, if you're a certain age, then you know that diet. Or if you just have tried everything, you know that. Um, but I ended up losing a bunch of weight doing some weird diet that my mom put me on and, and exercising a lot my senior year of high school. And that part of my story is important because that's the first time I realized that people would treat me differently by the way that I looked. And, um, you know, I spent most of my adult life chasing that feeling that I had in high school where I lost the weight and I got the attention from the ladies, you know, that's basically it. <laughs> Trying to get that feeling again. And, um, yeah, what does it look like? I mean, what is it, what was it like? You guys know that, you know, I'm the type of compulsive overeater that drives 30 miles in the middle of the night to go to the 24-7 Starbucks to get a sweet treat. I'm the, I'm the type of compulsive overeater that goes to the donut shop at 2 a.m. because that's when the, the donuts are fresh off the fryer. I'm the type of compulsive overeater that gets a box of Cheez-Its, sits in front of the TV, and just goes to town. And before I know it, the box of Cheez-Its is empty, and I'm and I'm confused. You know, I'm the, I'm the type of compulsive overeater whose best friends in the city are the waitress at the Denny's that serves up my fourth meal. You know, I'm the type of per compulsive overeater that goes to fast food in the morning. You know, I'm eating some sort of heavy pasta dish in the afternoon. I'm getting my, my sweet fix throughout the day. I'm grazing. And at dinner, I'm eating some sort of double-double cheeseburger at, at uh, In-N-Out Burger. And then, you know, uh, before the end of the night, I got to go get some pancakes, you know, from the Denny's. That's what, you know, the type of compulsive overeater that I am. And, um, you know, you, you keep doing that for long enough and, and you, get, you gain a lot of weight. And for me, life got really, really small. I have a I like to say that I'm like a gregarious introvert. Most people would not think of me like that. Uh, I have a very outgoing personality. Um, people tend to like uh, being around me. Um, but internally, when I'm in the disease, I'm so self-absorbed. I'm so obsessed with my body. I'm so obsessed about what you think of me. Um, I'm so frustrated that I can't lose the weight that I don't really know how to show up. And uh, I spent a lot of my time before getting in the program, just giving up, not trying to diet, not trying to lose weight, and um, and just you know uh, not uh, calling in fat, you know, not showing up because I'm in my head about my body or the pants don't fit, you know. Um, so that's what it was like. Hopefully that resonates, you know. Uh, I don't think I really need to talk much more about what it was like. I'm just a compulsive overeater, sugar addict, morbidly obese, child obesity, 100-pounder type of compulsive overeater. If you're one of those type of people, you know what it's like. Um, so what happened, I'm making good time here. Let me set my new timer. What, uh, what happened was, is, um, 
I was I was living with a girlfriend at the time and I had uh, you know I started to get all these things that I thought I wanted so if I it's all about the girl at the end of the day what I think it what it all boils down to is me getting the girl so I spent I started to think okay well not started to think I live my life by this kind of guideline that if I got the girl then it didn't really matter how I looked if I could manipulate my body somehow then I could attract the girl and then if I could get the money then somehow I could manipulate my way into both of those scenarios with the money that was like my mission and um some of those things started to come true I ended up getting the girl I started getting a certain number on my w2 I never really lost the weight um but my life was still miserable and the, the money only like fed into my addiction and, and grew you know instead of uh <laughs> susan uh the other day was like i'm not a dollar menu mcdonald's kind of girl <laughs> and uh i uh I, I was but with the money i just upgraded you know i just upgraded i went to nicer places you know what i mean so what happened was that my life got really really small and I wasn't necessarily suicidal, although you guys have taught me that there's three stages of, suic of suicidal thoughts. There's the ideation, there's the planning, and then there's the, the execution, like the trying of it. And I did have ideations, you know, I did think about like what, what life would, you know, what the world would be like without me and, and, you know, ending all of that nonsense that was in my head by just not existing anymore. Um, but, I love, I was raised by my, my sweet, loving mother. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think about her when I would go down that rabbit hole, I would visualize her at my funeral and stuff. And so, you know, that was enough of, deter of a deterrent um, for me not to try to move forward with suicide. But the bottom line is, is I really didn't feel like I had a, a life worth living. And so I was kind of like just existing but not really living, not chasing any dreams, not showing up for my family, not showing up for my relationships, and just miserable. And um, a computer switched the view somehow again. Um, excuse me. Um, what what happened? I ended up blowing up my life. I quit the job. I quit the girlfriend. I, uh, well, actually I, I did a transfer at the job. I, uh, got rid of my luxury apartment. I basically blew up everything that was, that was positive going on in my life. And when I woke up out of that stupor, I woke up on my grandmother's plastic covered couch in South Central Los Angeles. Now I didn't go into all the details, but basically I moved from LA to the suburbs of Atlanta. I went to school on an, econo on an economic scholarship. I was relatively successful as a young adult. So to wake up on my grandmother's couch in South Central LA is like, what is going on? There's something wrong here. Something has gone awry. And uh, it was suggested that maybe I get sober because maybe if I uh, stopped smoking weed, then I wouldn't have the munchies, <laughs> right? Uh, so, um, I went to another program for marijuana use uh, for the hopes of losing weight, you know? That's really what it was about. Um, and to get some sanity and to get off my grandmother's couch. Um, 
So I went to that program. I started working the steps. I dove straight in. And um, when I got feelings and emotions, um, you know, I got a lot of good guidance. But I also was told to eat chocolate. I was told to eat ice cream. I was told to, uh, you know, take the snack commitment, you know. So I took the snacks. And uh, I would go get, I would buy, I was the best snack getter at these meetings, at my sobriety meetings. I would get a pizza for me and a pizza for the meeting. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I blew up quick in sobriety. I gained another 30 pounds. I rolled in there already near 300. I gained another 30 pounds quickly. I started complaining about it. My sponsor direction was to focus on what's going to kill you the quickest. Or actually, what he said the first time was, let's focus on the steps here and then you can venture out. I went to the doctor, the doctor uh, classified me as morbidly obese. They, um, they told me I was pre-diabetic. They told me I was at severe risk of heart disease and they sent me for a sleep study because I was getting, uh, I had such bad oxygen deprivation that my blood cells actually look different. That's how they figured out that I had uh, a sleep apnea problem is because it, it actually showed up in my blood cells and that was the picture of me on on the on this on the, sh on the machine so you know I went back to my sponsor complained and he said well you got to focus on whatever's going to kill you the quickest and for me what finally clicked for me is that oh wow I saw the pattern with the with the drug abuse and I said oh wow I'm using food like I use drugs I'm killing myself with food. And I know I recognize that if I didn't stop quickly, if I didn't get help for it, that I, that I was literally gonna die from eating. Um, and so that propelled me into the rooms. I sat in the rooms for about six months. You guys told me to find what I was looking for, where I was looking for a black man, 100 pounder that looked like the rock. <laughs> uh, and uh, I didn't see that guy, I never found that guy. <laughs> uh, eventually though you guys told me to keep, keep coming back that's what I did I, I kept coming back and I eventually started to hear more and um, I started to want to I started to want the sanity and not just the vanity and uh, I got I got with a guy named Jeffrey um, and met with him for the first day and started to tell him about how I wasn't a bulimic and I wasn't a 10,000 calorie binger and I don't exercise like crazy, but I would love to take that on somehow. Um, and he lovingly told me, Hey, Rashad, you're the size that you are for a reason. It's clear that your body's getting more food than it needs. And that day I went on a tear. It started at a bagel shop in Santa Monica on Wilshire and it ended at the Popeye's Chicken and Biscuits in South Central LA off Manchester and Figueroa. And um, in that car at two in the morning with all of the crackheads and the prostitutes and the gangbangers and the homeless people and the rats and the roaches, I was out there, one of those street people. I was one of those crackheads out in the street, but my crack was buttered biscuits from Popeye's. And I sat there one after the other, eating about a half dozen of those. And uh, what a belly full of white flour and a head full of program, I had my white light moment. And I, I had in it, admitted to my innermost self that I am an alcoholic with food. And I went to sleep, I woke up the next day and something was lifted. Something was lifted. I didn't manipulate that, I didn't control it. I hadn't even jumped into the steps in OA yet. I, all I did 
was I kept coming back in the beginning. I got a sponsor. I got honest. And the disease took hold. And I got honest with myself. And something was lifted. Now, what it kept me abstinent is jumping into the step work. So um, if, uh, if you're new and you're struggling and you don't get anything out of this, the, the thing that I want to say is welcome. You're so welcome here. Congrats to all the chip takers and, and happy birthday, uh, Eric. If you're new and you're struggling, welcome. This is a safe space. Uh, we will love on you until you learn to love yourself. Um, thank God for all of those anorexics and bulimics and hundred cal, and, you know, ten thousand calorie bingers that loved on me in the beginning. Um, you know, we say keep coming back um, because we're hoping that the rest of the program kind of sticks in. But if all you can do is show up at a meeting, that's fine. But really, what helped me was to get into the work, get a sponsor, get honest, and getting into the work. That is what has always been the solution for me. So if you don't hear anything else, the solution is in the steps. We all have different forms of this disease. It shows up in different ways. We all have different forms of abstinence, which is frustrating. <laughs> there's not just a simple plug in the jug, um, but there's one thing that we all have in common. Underneath the manifestation of the disease, it's the same stinking thinking and the solution is the same the solution is steps one through 12. so if you don't hear anything else hear that all right so what is it like now what is it like today uh life is good i'm black i uh am trying to dodge the rona and the racism um i'm not going to get into outside issues but the fact that I'm African-American in America is not an outside issue. Um, it, it is uh, tough. I just went through a breakup. Uh, I live alone now. Uh, life, is, life is in session, as we say. Life is in session. Um, but life is, like, really good at the same time. Like, I could say that, honestly, with a smile on my face. Um, and... I'm just so grateful of, of all, all of the negative stuff can be outshined by all of like so many other positive things that are going on. And I'm just really, so one, I'm not, I'm not into food. Uh, the food doesn't really consume my thoughts. Thank God for that. I'm able to honor my food plan and my abstinence. Uh, well, I honor my food plan uh, imperfectly. My abstinence is pretty, is pretty concrete. I don't binge, I don't graze, and I don't eat recreational sugar. And I'm in this process of letting go of flour. Um, but my food plan is three meals a day and two optional snacks. And I like, most days I'm doing that. And I'm not, like, there's not a lot of effort put, in, put into it. I lost a tremendous amount of weight, have been maintaining it. I gained a few pounds during the uh, lockdown and I freaked out. And a, and a fellow in this program, uh, you know, walked me off the ledge and, and gave me some, some good recovery advice. Um, and so it's always, whenever I do get caught up in the food, you know, and like, or, or, or the body stuff, what helps me is to just get 100% honest with another compulsive overeater. That's the time where I really need to engage with my sponsor. That's the time where I really need to give service. I need to be in the middle of the boat. So but luckily I'm not like the food is not like a thing. So when we're out of the food or when I'm out of the food, all the other life stuff comes up. 
And then I have to deal with how I show up in the world, you know? And I will say that the greatest gift other than losing the weight and not being in the food and having a better relationship with my higher power is just like how I show up in the world today. You know, like that is a, that I've had that spiritual shift, that spiritual experience, that spiritual awakening that we talk about as a result of the 12 steps. And, um, there was a little ego when I talked about being a handsome black man, <laughs> but, uh, there is no ego when I say I'm so grateful of how I'm able to show up in the world because of, of the things that you guys have taught me in this program. Um, I say that with a tremendous amount of humility. So a couple of examples of that. I've rented this, I'm into cars. I like, I like cars. I, uh, I like fast cars. And uh, I'm a part of this car club and we have access to a lot of, we have access to a lot of fancy cars. And uh, so I borrowed this super fancy, expensive, exotic uh, sports car the other day. And I'm uh, riding down uh, one of these little ocean roads, driving from uh, Marina Del Rey down to, to Manhattan Beach, and, or down to Palos Verdes actually was the end goal. And right, right around Doc Waller, this is not going to resonate with anybody that's on the podcast that's not local, but bottom line is I was living my best life out there, okay? <laughs> I'm in a sports car. The top is down. I'm on the coast. <laughs> the wind is blowing. I'm driving, and all of a sudden this lady, one of these uh, people that are living in their cars, so much stuff in their car, they can't see out the windows, this lady veers over into the lane of, of, of my lane while I'm driving expeditiously. And uh, she kind of like sideswiped the car, caused a little bit of damage. So I parked. I wasn't frantic. I wasn't super angry. It was just like, okay, this is annoying. This is something I got to deal with. This car isn't mine. You know, I had somebody in the car with me. Um, so I pulled over. Uh, addressed, addressed the person, found, you know, could see, got a little bit of clarity over what kind of person this was. So I knew how this interaction was going to go. She didn't know. She's, she claimed that she didn't hit me. She didn't, she couldn't see out of the car. There was so much stuff in the car. Um, you know, and I could just tell it wasn't going to go well, you know. And so I got a picture of her. I got a picture of the car. And, uh, you know, she took off. She took off. And the, the damage to the car was very, very minor. Um, so I didn't, I didn't feel the need to call the cops or anything like that. This is an exotic car. So, mi so minor damage on an exotic car does cost a lot of money. But it, it was, the car was drivable. It was barely noticeable. Um, the only reason it was a big deal is because the car didn't belong to me. So I went on, finished the day. The next day I had to return it. And you know what people like us do oh, how can I get around this, right? How can I cover this up? How can I, you know, the, the old thinking comes back of how can I get over, you know? How can I be, how can I get to deal with this without being honest? You know, how, how can I avoid the, the, the circumstances here? You know, how can I avoid shelling out several thousand dollars? Um, and the recovery kicks in. The recovery kicks in is like, no, you treat people the way you want to be treated. You just be honest and know that your higher power will provide, you know? And so that's what I did. 
I returned the car, super honest with the guy who's like a friend now, because he's like, I'm a part of the car club and everything. He was like, oh, yeah, 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 that damage was already there. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so, like, the lady did sideswipe me a little bit, and it was like a little tiny scratch, but the damage, the actual damage that needed to be repaired was already on the car. You know what I mean? And so, like, I just took that as a signal. And, like, he was like, don't worry about it. And he's like, you don't have to pay anything. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. There was some other damage on the bumper. No big deal. And, like, that lady, you know, what I didn't say about the night before is, like, I, like, I felt that resentment come up. And, like, I had said a prayer for that lady, you know, that, like, you know, that she is, because she wasn't, you know, she wasn't well off. She's obviously living in her car and stuff. And so the whole point is, is, the real the addict wants to say f you for sideswiping this expensive car and i don't want to pay anything so i'm not going to say anything and hope that nobody notices but you guys have taught me to be honest and how to show up differently in the world and then higher power rewards me by saying hey it's no big deal you know think about all of that that, that ickiness and when you're not honest and you're deceitful and you're lying and like and like i could just imagine returning that car and like being weird about seeing them ever again and where they find the damage later and and you know like when i'm not when that stuff happens that's the stuff that shows up on my plate you know that's the stuff that shows up in my food and my body image stuff and i got to be very vigilant about combating so this isn't about food but this is about how i show up in the world and you guys have taught me how to be honest and just be a stand-up dude just be a stand-up dude i want to talk about my breakup but my, uh, my ex-girlfriend is, is in this program. And so uh, it's hard to talk about this um, because I still care for her immensely. And um, it's, you know, I just don't want to put all her business, her business out there in the street. Um, what I can say is, uh, is that going through a breakup is very, very difficult. And um, it's harder when you're in program with somebody and you know, and there's other people involved and, and uh, it's, it's just important for me to acknowledge it, to acknowledge what my truth is and, and, and say it's a big deal, you know, because things like breakups can show up in your food. Um, and so uh, I'm just great, really grateful. Um, you know, there was weird, there was weirdness, people felt like they had to pick sides and stuff like that. I lost a couple of fellows and friends in the program. And um, that was really sad. And, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. But the positive on that side, on the other side is there's so many people that, that extended love and support and allowed me to safe space to kind of talk through that. And um, I have faith that I'm going to be okay. And I have faith that she's going to be okay. And there is absolutely no drama, no resentment, just, just all love, you know. Um, the, uh, the other thing that came up, um, and what I'm talking about is what it's like. As a reminder, I'm talking about what it's like today, right? I'm dealing with real life stuff. And I get to show up like a gentleman in the world. Um, I went to uh, Lake Tahoe this weekend. And uh, some body image stuff came up because we're going to a body of water. <laughs> and we're getting on a boat. And uh, I am, when you, when you are a hundred pounder variety, childhood obesity variety, all of that stuff about taking off your shirt and, and all that stuff comes up. And lo and behold, 
I'm on the boat and I'm thinking about it, right? And then I realize, oh, wow, I'm going to have to take my shirt off and get in the water if I have to pee, right? <laughs> this is like an all-day thing. <laughs> um, you know, what's significant about that is you guys have given me the tools and the awareness to, to be conscious of those addict thinking, that stinking thinking. The problem with that, that, that sort of thinking is it takes me out of the moment right instead of connecting with my friends and my and my and my family and and seeing how i can be of service and and just connecting and having a good time i'm in my head thinking about how does my body look compared to his body and all of that nonsense and so when i see that and i recognize that energy you know what it looks like now is i like pause and i pray you know and i ask god to step in my higher power to step in and, and to just help me show up you know, those are those moments where like, I want to cower, like, before, I don't go on that boat ride. I don't, I call in fat. I'm not getting on that boat. Oh, I got to get in the water to use, you know, like, I'm not getting on that boat. Um, but I was able to show up. I like, after I like prayed and paused, like, it wasn't even a thought. It was just like, all right, it's like, <laughs> we're out here. And I had an amazing time. It was so good to connect with uh, some people that I love so, so, so much. And, um, you know, like my, my body, the body image stuff became very, that voice got really quiet, you know, and that's how the program, you know, that's how the program shows up in my life today is, um, I don't know anything. Okay. I am a highly visible person in this program. I do a lot of service. I'm actually on the board, but I do not know anything. Okay, I just listen to what people that have more experience have taught me and I read the literature and I do the step work. And right now I'm in the phase of living in steps 10, 11 and 12 on a regular basis and everything works out. Everything works out. I'm so happy to be here, guys. I love y'all. I love light a candle. And um, thanks for asking me to share. Thank you so much, Rashad. It's now time for our seventh tradition, the LA Inter